0: Welcome to The Broadcast Storm, episode number 84, OSPF LSA Types Simplified. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Wallace, and in this episode of The Broadcast Storm, I wanted to tackle a topic that I see a lot of students really struggle with. It's understanding what the different LSA types, the different link state advertisement types, do within OSPF. Now, we know that OSPF is a link state routing protocol. It builds a database of an area. It's sort of like a map. We're trying to get from point A to point B on a map. What OSPF does, it uses the Dijkstra algorithm to do that calculation of the most efficient path in terms of cost, which is a function of bandwidth, to get from point A to point B. It's the same thing with our cars navigation system. In fact, our cars navigation system, or or Google Maps, or Apple Maps, or whatever you use, those navigation systems, they are using the Dijkstra algorithm. They assign a cost to different roads. Well, OSPF is going to assign a cost to different links based on the bandwidth of that link, and it's gonna run the Dijkstra algorithm to find the best way to get from point A to point B in the network. But in order to build this database, in order to build this map, all of the OSPF routers within an area exchange information. I normally compare this to a jigsaw puzzle. Now, I don't know about you. My wife and my daughters, they love to to do jigsaw puzzles. Personally, I find it very frustrating. I would not want to spend three hours putting together a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle. That's just not my thing. They enjoy it. And you might enjoy it as well. But that's sort of what OSPF is doing. OSPF is allowing these routers to collaborate to build this jigsaw puzzle and when it's put together, it's a map of that area. It's a map of all the different links between all the different routers. We know exactly how this area is interconnected. Of course, we can have more than one area in OSPF and there's gonna be a separate map, a separate link state database for that area and uh, those areas can exchange information between themselves. If I'm sitting at the boundary of a couple of areas, then I'm an ABR an area border router. And I've got two maps. I've got a map of each area. Now, obviously I want, let's say, the routers in area zero to know about the networks available in area one, but I don't give them the map of area one that would cause the Dijkstra algorithm to work harder. So instead of saying, here's a detailed map of every interconnection in area one, I simply say, hey area zero, here's a listing of the networks available in area one. It's kind of like me, I live in Kentucky. And let's say that I've got this big map of Kentucky, and I know all the different roads that interconnect all the different cities. But I'm going to take a trip to Tennessee, which is the state that's just on the south of Kentucky. Well, when I go to Tennessee, I might not know that Interstate 40 runs east to west or anything like that. I just know that there are certain cities, certain destinations available in Tennessee. I know that if I want to go to Memphis or Knoxville or Nashville or Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge, I need to go to Tennessee. I know the destinations, but I don't have intimate knowledge of how they're interconnected. That's what OSPF is doing. An area border router is going to tell one area what networks are available in another area. Not detailed information about the area, just a list of networks. And we can also have something called an ASBR, an Autonomous System Boundary Router. That's going to connect us between an OSPF autonomous system and some other autonomous system, maybe like uh, EIGRP or RIP or something like that. And that ASBR can take routes from, let's say, EIGRP and inject them into OSPF. And it can take routes from OSPF and inject them into EIGRP if we're configured for route redistribution, which is another topic we're not going to get into in this episode. But I wanted you to sort of visualize how OSPF is exchanging route information and how we're building these maps within an area. And using that basic understanding of how OSPF works, let's talk about these different LSA types. Because it's the LSA types that really construct the map. They construct the link state database. So the elements of the link state database. So let's start off with a type 1 LSA. This is also known as a router LSA. And this gets sent by all OSPF routers. And they are advertising directly connected routes. So I'm a router. I've got directly connected networks to me. I'm going to advertise those within my area by sending out type 1 LSAs. Now by the way, When I say send out a Type 1 LSA, I don't mean that an LSA is a packet type. An LSA is a piece of information, but the packet that carries an LSA is called an LSU, a Link State Update. But the Type 1 LSAs or the router LSAs, every router in an area generates those, and that's where the router is advertising directly connected networks. A Type 2 LSA is called a Network LSA, and this is going to advertise links in an area that would have a DR elected, and it would have two or more routers. In other words, it's a multi-access network. Maybe we've got an Ethernet connection between a couple of routers. Maybe we're going through a switch. That would be considered a multi-access network. And we have two routers that's going to elect a DR. Well, that would be a network segment that gets advertised via a Type 2 LSA. If I had a point-to-point link directly interconnecting two routers, there's only two routers on this link, it's not a multi-access network, there's no DR, there's no designated router that's going to be elected, then no. That network segment would not be advertised with a Type 2 LSA. So again, it's a network containing at least two routers. It's a transit link. It's not going off to just some end users. So it's a transit link, and it's a link on which a DR would be elected. That gets advertised with a Type 2 or a network LSA. And that's what's happening within an area. But remember, we said we had an ABR that's set between a couple of areas, and that ABR is going to be telling one area a listing Not a detailed map, but it's going to give it a listing of the networks available in another area. Well, each of those networks in one area will be advertised to another area through the ABR via a Type 3 LSA, which is called a Net Summary LSA. Now, don't be thrown by the word summary. A lot of people see Net Summary. Oh, it's a Summary LSA. We must be doing route summarization No, it has nothing to do with route summarization. Think of summary in this instance as meaning summary information. It's not a detailed map. It's not a map of Tennessee in my example. It's just a listing of cities. Knoxville, Nashville, Memphis. It's just a listing, just a listing of networks. And the Type 3 LSA, it's generated for each network in one area that we want to advertise to another area. Not a detailed map, just a listing. Now, let's say that we're going through an ASBR. We're going between autonomous systems. We're doing route redistribution, and maybe we're injecting EIGRP or RIP routes into OSPF. How do those networks show up in OSPF? Well, they show up as Type 5 LSAs, which is also known as AS External LSAs. Type 5 LSAs advertise a network external to our autonomous system. And let's say that we're in Area 0, our backbone area, and we've got an ASBR that's connected to EIGRP. Well, that ASBR is going to be sending those networks into Area 0 using Type 5 LSAs. And everybody in Area 0 knows, oh, these are Type 5 LSAs. I know that they're sent to me from my ASBR router in my area. Great. So if I want to go to one of those networks, I'll just go to my ASBR, and it knows how to forward it. But then, as we're going into another OSPF area, we're going through our ABR, let's say we're going into Area 1, well, we'll still send those Type 5 LSAs into Area 1. However, those routers in Area 1, they don't know who the ASBR is. They don't know how to get back out to the EIGRP Autonomous System. So we have to give them some additional information. When we're sending those Type 5 LSAs into Area 1, in our example, we're also going to be sending a type 4 LSA. That's an ASBR summary LSA. That advertises a next hop address to get back to the ASBR. And those are the five primary types of OSPF LSAs, but we can get just a bit more complicated. For example, let's say that we had just a, a bunch of routes coming in from. EIGRP attached to Area 0. And we didn't really want all those routes to be advertised individually into Area 1. We wanted to reduce the size of the routing table in each router in Area 1. And if Area 1 is not a transit area, we're not going through Area 1 to get somewhere else, then we could say that Area 1 is a stub area, and we could configure it as such. With a stub area, instead of advertising each and every one of those Type 5 LSAs from an external autonomous system, we're just going to send a default Type 3 LSA. It's sort of like creating a default route, which says, hey, if you don't know how to get to a network based on your IP writing table, then go to this default destination. So that's what we do with a stub area. Now, with a stub area, we're still sending all the Type 3 LSAs. In our case, from Area 0 into Area 1, there's still a Type 3 LSA for every network in Area 0. But for all those networks outside of OSPF, all those networks that were advertised via Type 5 LSAs, we're not sending those individually into Area 1 anymore with a stub area. We're just sending a summary route, 0.0.0.0. But then we could take the logic a step further and say, well, hold on, if Area 1 is not a transit area, and there's only one way to get out to the rest of the world, whether that means Area 0 or EIGRP, if I've only got one egress point from Area 1, why don't I just use one default route? Why do I still need all those individual Type 3 LSAs coming in from Area 0? Huh. If we conclude that we really don't need that information, we can say, not only do I want to summarize my Type 5 LSAs from another autonomous system, I also want to summarize my Type 3 LSAs coming from another area. Just give me one default Type 3 LSA that says if you want to go anywhere other than somewhere in area one in our case, just go to the ABR, it'll take care of you. That's what we're doing with a totally stubby area. So with a totally stubby area, we only have one type 3 LSA that gets injected into that area, and it's for a default route 0.0.0.0. Let's make it a bit more complicated. And again, trying to do this on audio, let me paint the picture for you again of our network. We've got an EIGRP autonomous system connected into a router that also belongs to Area 0. So that router, let's say it's R1, that's our ASBR, our Autonomous System Boundary Router. And maybe we've got a bunch of routers within Area 0, but one of those routers, let's say it's it's router R2, it connects us into another area. We'll say that's Area 1. And up till now, we've been saying that Area 1 is a non-transit area. We're not going through Area 1 to get anywhere else, and as a result, we can treat it as a stub area or a totally stubby area. But let's say that maybe a couple of companies merge and we connect another autonomous system into Area 1. Let's say that we've got router R10 in Area 1 and it becomes another ASBR, another autonomous system boundary router. It's connecting to a RIP network that we just merged with. So now we've got routes coming in from RIP into Area 1. Now if Area 1 were configured to be a stub area, the rule with the stub area is we're not allowed to have Type 5 or Type 4 LSAs. So here's what happens, and to me this is almost cheating. This doesn't seem fair to do this, but since we're not allowed to have Type 5 LSAs in a stub area, If we had Area 1 as a stub area, and it's receiving these external routes coming in through R10 in our example from RIP, then those routes, they're not going to be Type 5 LSAs, they're Type 7 LSAs. They contain the same information as a Type 5 LSA, routes outside of our autonomous system, but since we're not allowed to have Type 5, we call them Type 7. Yeah, that seems like we're cheating to me. But as we go through our EBR in our example back to Area 0, The ABR knows what's up. It says, okay, I see these external routes coming in. I know you're calling them Type 7 LSAs, but come on. They're basically Type 5 LSAs. So when the ABR advertises them back into Area 0, in our example, it's going to advertise those those RIP routes, in our example. It's going to advertise those as Type 5 LSAs. And it's also going to send a Type 4 LSA into Area 0, so that routers in Area 0 know how to get back to the ASBR over in Area 1. In a case like that, we're sort of treating Area 1 as a stub area, but not really, because it is a transit area. We are getting routes from another autonomous system, but we're still just sending it a summary advertisement for our EIGRP routes. So it's kind of a stubby area, and it's kind of not. So it's called a not-so-stubby area, an NSSA, a not-so-stubby area. And that Type 7 LSA I told you about, it's called an NSSA External LSA. And that example was us starting with Area 1 being a stub area. Remember what a stub area is? A stub area is receiving a summary Type 3 LSA from an ABR, representing all the networks in another autonomous system, and it's receiving individual Type 3 LSAs for all networks in another area. And we said we could take that a step further and have a totally stubby area. Okay, let's say we're starting with a totally stubby area, Area 1. And we then merge with this other company who's running RIP. And now we're putting RIP routes into a totally stubby area. Well, it's going to work just the way it did before. We're going to take those routes coming from RIP, and we're going to inject them into Area 1 as Type 7 LSAs. And the ABR is going to change them back to Type 5 LSAs when it advertises them into Area 0. And it'll send a Type 4 LSA to say, here's how to get back to the ASBR. So, you see, we started with a totally stubby area, and we connected it to another autonomous system, so now it's called a totally not-so-stubby area, a totally in SSA. So we've talked about a few different variants here. We started off talking about just two areas, Area 0, Area 1, connected with an ABR. In a case like that, the only LSAs we had to think about were Types 1, 2, and 3. When we connected Area 0 to EIGRP in our example, suddenly those external routes they got represented as Type 5 LSAs. And when we advertised those routes from Area 0 into Area 1, we had to also advertise a Type 4 LSA to say, hey, here's how to get back to the ASBR. Here's your next hop to get back there. And things got a bit more complicated when we said we were connecting Area 1 into another autonomous system we used RIP in our example. We said when that happens, those routes learn from RIP, they come into Area 1 as Type 7 LSAs, which doesn't fool the ABR going to Area 0. It converts them back into Type 5 LSAs and sends a Type 4 LSA to say, here's the next top to get back to the ASBR. So I wanted to reiterate those LSA types. I know that you might have to listen to this episode, maybe another time or two to really ingrain it, but we've talked about types 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 7. And by the way, there are Type 6 LSAs used to advertise multicast routes. There's also a Type 8 LSA used with IP version 6 and that would be OSPF version 3 that supports IP version 6 Think of a type 8 LSA with IPv6. Think of that as combining link local addresses and all other addresses on a link. That's what's advertised in a type 8 LSA. Also, in an IPv6 network running OSPF version 3, there are type 9 LSAs. Think of that as a combination of of type 1 and type 2 LSAs that we have for IP version 4 networks. That's what a type 9 LSA carries for IPv6 networks. It advertises locally connected routes and also network segments that are transit areas on which a DR is elected. All right, we've talked about a bunch of different LSA types, and if you've not studied this before, I understand it can be a bit overwhelming. However, as I've taught this for many years, this is something that really challenges students. So I thought I would do a podcast episode that was fairly short that you could listen to a few times until you really start to visualize and get how these different LSAs work together to build our link state database, to build our jigsaw puzzle of all the interconnections within an area. And on that note, we'll wrap up this episode of the Broadcast Storm. And I'd like to invite you to test drive a new service we have here at KW Train called the CERT Accelerator. It's a membership program where for a low monthly rate, currently it's less than $30 a month, you get access to a ton of training. I think right now we have like 15 different products and that's continually growing. If you just wanna take a three-day free test drive just to see what's there and see if it might benefit you, just go to kwtraincom CA for CERT Accelerator. That's kwtrain.com slash CA for Cert Accelerator. And as always, I want to give you a big thanks for spending time with me today, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Broadcast Storm.